The Red Dirt D&D Podcast is brought to you by Pro Laser Cuts. The Oklahoma company provides pre-made and customizable design laser cut dice towers, tokens, and more. Developed by a gamer for gamers and now available to enhance your tabletop game. Pro Laser Cuts products can be found at many Oklahoma City area game stores, local events, and now available online at ProLaserCuts.com. That's laser and cuts with a Z, Pro Laser Cuts. And by TokenCon 2022, coming to Oklahoma City March 18th through the 20th. TokenCon, Oklahoma's board game convention, is returning after hugely successful events in 2018 and 2019. The three-day celebration of gaming is taking place in a newer, larger venue at the Embassy Suites by Hilton on South Meridian in Oklahoma City near Will Rogers World Airport. At TokenCon, you can play games from a huge library of more than 600 titles and meet board game designer Tom Lehman. More information and ticket purchasing available right now at TokenCon.net. Welcome to Red Dirt D&D. My name is Johnny Payne, and I play the half-elf roguish warlock, Zonimus, who's going to take back everything he's ever lost. I'm Connor Chenold. I play Connor with a K, the kobold sorcerer who's a continuous thorn in the Empire side. I'm Kiri Hester, and I play Poppy Tealeaf, a halfling druid determined to protect the wilds of the frontier from the might of the Empire. I'm Brooke Bullock, and I play Mokrin Stoneshape, our young dwarf sorcerer, finding his true family as revealed by the secrets of the frontier. And I'm Ash King, your dungeon master. Join us now for Tales from the Callban Frontier. Well, with Gideon laid to rest, you have been discussing amongst yourselves and with Eopix the possibilities of where to go next. From your conversation with the wandering wind, you have learned about a possible answer to some of your problems. A mine to the south of the Lake of Tears that may prove to be a source of flight crystals which if you can get your hands on that, you know of someone who has access to a longboat. And not just that, a friend who has a longboat. But before you get there, there's probably a few other challenges in your way. But currently you are all still at the elven camp as it is beginning to break up around you. The group once more planning to set off to head to the north. So what are you all doing? Saying our goodbyes. Backing up the cart. Yeah. Um, go tell leadership, thank them for their hospitality. And it might be best if you don't know where we're going. Just know that we're on the right path. Wildheart gives you a nod and looks to you and says, Should our paths cross again, you and your friends are welcome here. Thank you. And I'll make another stop by that mound of dirt and uh, stand there briefly in silence because I've said what I need to say. And then I'm gonna go around and help everybody else pack up, get on a horse. I know we're in desert-ish. Mm-hmm. How desert is the desert? Is there a sporadic tree here or there? It's scrubland. It's that change between full-on desert, scrubland, badland, heading towards greenery. Could a person who hypothetically has a connection to a nature god maybe grow a symbolic tree? To mark the grave of a loved one. Yeah, 
you could grow something like a Joshua tree. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to sit on the ground and wildfire, come here, come sit, sit, be good. Okay, we're gonna grow a tree, mister. So I need you to put your head right here in my lap. Thank you, I like petting. And I'm going to pet wildfire and I'm gonna grow a very cool tree to mark Gideon's grave. And it's a Joshua tree, so it's not super dependent. You know, beauty is an eye of the beholder, but it will survive. It is a strong tree like Gideon. And it'll survive these deserty, grasslandy mm-hmm. conditions. Okay, Wildfire, are you ready to go? Let's go for a run. I know you've been cooped up. All right, I think I got, I know horses all ready. Buttercup's ready. Everything's secure back there, Connor. Yeah, we're, we're good to go. We just need to wait for the other two. All right. You want to ride Navigator again? I think I'm going to stay in the back for a bit. All right. Four of us make up the block. Let's take it to the fort. And I'm going to leave the pack riding out of here. I'm going to stop and let everyone pass me. I don't want to go. I don't want to leave here. You do see Connor at the back of the wagon, peeking out and staring at the tree that Poppy grew. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm sitting here on my horse, looking behind me. It's a whole different world. A whole different life. I try and look at the one up ahead. And I see Connor peeking out. As you look, Poppy turns around over her shoulder and says, Come on, Slowpoke, we've got work to do. And laughs and smiles. <laughs> Under his breath, he'll say, Yes, we do. Kick his horse and catch up. You do notice a small little jackalope. His nose poking out of the underbrush. Twitches as it watches you go by. Don't even acknowledge it. Right on, my chest out, my head held high. So, uh, Connor, uh, say over my shoulder. Uh, yeah, what's up? I, I noticed that uh, there was a particular reverence at uh, Gideon's funeral when you put the flask down on his chest. Is that a kobold? Did I, did I connect with the kobold thing? I mean, like I said earlier, I'm fascinated about the similarities. I, I was totally surprised the the elves and their funeral methods versus, like, it's very dwarven. Oh. How about kobolds? Ours is a little different. Zonimus is the one who wanted me to give him the flask. Right. So that was kind of his thing. Kobolds, when one of ours passes, we get a portion or, like, a piece of their hoard to remember them by. And I'm silent, realizing that you have Gideon's backpack. Mm-hmm. I now have Gideon's hoard to help me remember him. Pull out a little handkerchief with some Embroidered poppies on it. Like, <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty nice. Stuff it back in my pocket. That's good. So, how are you feeling about what happened? Well, you know, Gideon gave his life for something, and then when we heard his spirit talk, he spoke of us as as family, and we're not. I mean, we. You want to be technical? We, we're even different species, but yet he bonded us together. He saw us as family, all halfling, daughter. And you and me, as compatriots and, and brothers, aim nothing more brotherly than the relationship between Gideon and Zonimus. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But I'm with Zonimus. We're going to do our best to protect the frontier. And, and then we got justice payment yeah, to do. Yeah, for sure. He just surprised me is all. I never, like, I wasn't too close to Gideon, but I think of you smooth skins differently, I guess, than family per se. I used to think of Gideon as just a warrior, but his passing makes me a lot sadder than I expected. That makes sense. 
I look over my shoulder with a big smile and say, you know, being all cold-blooded and stuff. Emotions, that's gotta be new. We have emotions. It's not that, it's just a cultural clash, I, I guess, is the word for it. Well, I understand that. But, yeah, I guess y'all aren't, aren't too bad. I'm, I'm growing to like y'all. That's cool. Don't mind Sonimus. I heard what he said when you said you didn't know nothing. He's always suspicious about people. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's that paranoia. I understand. I know know you're being honest. It's all right. Yep. I can always count on you, Mocker. And then he reaches out to pat your shoulder. Simultaneously, Poppy sidles up to Sonimus. So, Connor's suspicious, right? I'm glad he noticed it, too. I mean, he's a brass cobalt. He's got to know something that he's not telling us about the brass. Sarah was obsessed with him. She seemed to believe that there was some connection. And I mean, I don't know much about cobalt, but I do have a suspicion that they are connected in like a hive mind scenario. Like we were in the Temple of Nightmare and they seemed to understand what they were going to do. But before they, they didn't have to say nothing. So I think that maybe Seraphina might thought that they could tap into his brain maybe and see Thundercrack or they could like torture him and Thundercrack might come save him. Like I said, I don't know nothing about no cobalt, but I'm just saying it's suspicious that he doesn't know anything. He knows something. He just don't want to say nothing. But I mean, he also hasn't killed me and I'm in my sleep, so I'm torn. Yeah, he's had every opportunity to kill any of us, especially before he came out of the bag. But it makes me wonder if we're a means to an end. Maybe he wants to get to Thundercrack and he knows that we're going to eventually maybe get there. I don't know. I have a plan. Just keep an eye on him is all. Poppy, where did we go wrong? What did we do wrong? And suddenly this changes, shifts, and loses it. We haven't done nothing wrong. We did what we did. Listen, do you think, do you honestly think that you could have stopped Gideon from rushing in and trying to save the day as Gideon always did? No. I couldn't have stopped him while I was running beside him. I mean, even if he wasn't, there was no way we were going to talk Gideon out of going into that mesa. It seemed, at the time, with the information that we had, like our best shot at doing what we were trying to do. Now we have more information, we can make a more informed decision, and I feel like we're going in the right way this time. He just shakes his head and dries up, gets a grip. She reaches up and pats your leg, and she says, you know, sometimes I avoid emotions by becoming animals. You just let me know if you want to be an animal, and I can make that happen for you. We can go flying together sometime. It's real nice. Well, I might take you up on that one day. I threw away what I used to avoid emotions. So, Connor, you ever heard of Fort Washington Water? Well, a couple of weeks back. Oh, but you ain't never been, like, out this way or nothing? No. Okay, very good. And you might be able to tell... Mockin's a little nervous. You ever been? No, no, I've never been out to Fort Reginald Water. Escaped that. Just slipped right by thanks to my mom. But uh, yeah, it's a place out here, pretty far out, right up next to the Great Mother River. And sometimes they send dwarves there that uh, just can't quite fit in. Oh yeah, sounds like an interesting place. Uh, yeah, I got something else. Oh? And I hold on one hand and I reach inside my vest pocket and I pull out this little box from Serafina's office. Or maybe it was Fortunato's office. It was the war room. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I saw you pick that up. You probably didn't realize I was in the room. Oh, no. Oh, so you hadn't gone up? No, because it's before they walked in the door. And then you walked out the door when they walked in the door. There's a ring inside here. Oh, what kind? Well, I don't know yet. Remember when, a while back, good old days, I kept my crystal a secret? Right. And I'm just, like, was experimenting? 
We got a perfect opportunity well, to figure I, out what that thing does. I know. I figured we were out here in the middle of nothing. If you climb up here and take the reins for a minute, then I, maybe I could take a peek at it. I got you. So uh, with possibly Connor sitting there beside me and holding the reins, I look for this box to see if it's locked or a little latch on it or does it just like... Well, you know, there's a ring in there. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true. I clapped it shut and then put it in. So I'm going to open the box and yeah. then try to study this ring and see if I notice anything. Maybe get a vibe off of it, perhaps. Ooh. Opening it up, you immediately start to feel great power. Hot diggity. Can I try to sense what power it is? Are you going to attune to it? First, you I just want to look at it for arcane symbols. So any type of arcana check I could do? I'll give before, you an arcana check. I, uh, that's a modified 10. So he looks at it, thinks about it. It's real shiny. Highly, highly polished opalescent moonstone. Almost to the point you can see your own reflection in it. I know you're trying to make it better. Just that put makes it, on. it a little bit worse. Just put <laughs> it on. Gideon said, he believes in me. I can be stronger. I put the ring on my left finger. But the question is, do you attune to it? Yeah, I start reaching to see if I can connect with the magic that I sensed off of it. This is a ring of spell turning. Oh, that's nice. While wearing this ring, you have advantage on saving throws against any spell that targets only you, not an area of effect. In addition, if you roll a 20 for the save and the spell is seventh level or lower, the spell has no effect on you and instead targets the caster using the slot level spell save DC, attack bonus, and spell casting ability of the caster. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Looks good on you. Thank you. What's it do? It's a ring of magical protection. It gives me spell resistance in a way. Oh, nice. And I clip the box shut and put that back inside my duster. And we ride until it's time to make camp. Yes, the day passes your first day away from the elven camp because it is definitely a several day journey down to Fort Rushing Water. So your first night away, all goes quiet. So we make camp and I say, uh, Makarin, one, that's a mighty fine ring. Is that the one you took from Seraphina? It is, I put it on whenever we were riding. So it wasn't cursed. Uh, No, it is, no. That's nice. Do you want to see something cool that I've been working on today? What's that? And just for fun flavor times, I'm going to cast Transmute Rock and make some mud. Rocks or not rocks? It's not rocks anymore. Now, why would you want to go and muddy up perfectly good stone like that? I can go the other way, too. I can turn mud into rocks. Oh, that's nice. But I can only go one way on any given day because it's, it's, it takes a lot out of me. If I stacked up enough stone to make it a house... Could you touch those stones and turn some to mud? Some of them, yeah. Hmm. Not all of them. I can only do it. It seems like a five-foot cube top area. Right. <laughs> so there was a giant castle that was made of stone. Could you go up to a piece of that castle and go, the stone right here is turning to mud? But yeah, I could make a door. If the, if the wall is more than five feet deep, I can only get as part of the way there. It's a, it's, I only have one fifth-level spell slot, so I can only do... But yes, Where do you get I to got a, stone temple? I got a bunch of really cool level uh, spells at level five. So, But I can only... Stock one per day, which is why I waited till we were getting ready for bed. Gotcha. It's it's going to be about a six day journey down to Fort Rushing Water. We sniffle a little as we decide who takes what watch because we have to reconfigure the schedule because mm-hmm. Gideon's not here anymore. 
We'll just work wildfire in on his own rotation. <laughs> Lick me if something looks suspicious. <laughs> so when Mokrin is alone on watch, he's at the edge of the campfire light mm -hmm. and the dark of night, you know, is beyond us and stuff. And he pulls out of his backpack this leather-bound journal that's embossed with the Black Hands Railway mm -hmm. emblem on it. And I start writing. After a few minutes, I, I stop and I flip back a couple of pages and I read the entries about Jasper and Kikiak and the longboat and the excavation site and Tholia, that spellcasting woman, and the crystal. And I stare at those pages and I recall Jasper saying, I can that this can be done, and if I can replicate the technology, this is a revolutionary And I look back to the eastern horizon, almost as if I might see Venturis way out there, and I hear Jasper saying, That's the beauty of it. You wouldn't have to lay down track and destroy ancient resources and natural beauty. You could just swim right over it. And Malkrin looks over at Poppy asleep, and in his memory, he hears, I can tell you right now that if the Black Hands or other tribes had any idea of what was going on out here, Jasper would be dead. So then I look back toward the east and then hear Gideon's mom say, The world's wild. The world is untamed. And the moment you start to change that, you lose things. You lose sight of the wonder and the mystery. There have been many coming into the wilds attempting to force us to fit in ways that we do not. And I reach down and I silently pull a dagger out of my boot and with a meticulous, precise movement, I slice the last four or five pages out of the journal very, very precisely, very delicately. And I pull out this really cheap looking leather stitched patchwork journal and I take those removed pages, which include not only those moments, but also meeting the tribe of elves and everything that happened at the Mesa. And I took those away and put them in this cheap looking journal and put that back in to my backpack. And then I reopen the Black Hands journal and on this clean page that's there, I write, continuing to cross north across Great Mother River, Landscape remains mostly unchanged, nothing of note. And I look up again towards the east and with a deep sigh, I look around at my companions and realize this is more family than I ever had in Venturis. It's been a crazy ride over the past 72 episodes and it's been amazing having you along for the ride. We here at Red Dirt D&D are so thrilled you're listening, and we want you to join us on Patreon. When you sign up, you get early access to our episodes. You might be able to join our Discord server, and we're looking at new material coming soon just for our patrons. We have new patrons to thank, like Listening From Experience, Ryan, Grognard Bard, Ben, and Daniel, all of whom signed up just in the month of November. You can join them right now by signing up at patreon.com slash reddirtdnd. We finished our Pro Laser Cuts giveaway earlier this month with patron Tim A winning a new dice tower. So we are starting a new giveaway, a $30 gift card to D&D Beyond. It's open to everyone 
All you have to do is leave a comment on your favorite podcatcher and then email us a screenshot of the comment at reddirtdnd at gmail.com or post it on social media, tagging us at reddirtdnd. We'll be announcing a winner at the Lunar New Year holiday special early next year. You want more Red Dirt D&D? You can also join us on Twitch, where we have special shows like AM Talk D&D with me and Ash, along with Plausible Deniability with Johnny and Brooke. I actually got to do a guest spot on last week's Plausible Deniability, and it was awesome. Thank you so much, guys. You can find that show and others on twitch.tv slash reddirtdnd. You should also check out our YouTube page where we have past episodes and we are currently working on new never before seen content. Also, come visit us on the web at reddirtdnd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Finally, make sure and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, as well as leaving a comment about the show wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others find us and become fans just like you. All right, let's get back to our heroes as they travel through the Caliban frontier. Another beautiful morning on the frontier. You gather up your things, start headed out again, because it's going to be many days, about six days, to reach Fort Rushing Water. But a few days in to your journey, you hear the sound of battle ahead of you as a strange, not quite sandstorm, but you're noticing it's a whirlwind that's whipping the sand about, approaching you see an orc. Michael, would you like to describe what they're seeing? First off, who am I fighting? In your travels, you have been wandering the Caliban frontier far and wide, and today is just one of those days that you have run across some of the foul beasts that plague this land. Strange, sandy silhouettes that are known to whip up into clouds of roiling dust and sand. All that you see is just the vague shapes of humanoids that have been attempting to engulf you. You see this fairly large orc, six foot five, green gray skin. He actually doesn't wear a shirt. He's got long black hair, bright blue eyes. Uh, a great smile, even with the tusks. And he wears kind of like a kilt, but not in the plaid. And he is wielding a long sword in one hand and a shield in the other. But he's also got another long sword on his side. You see off in the distance where his horse is waiting. As he's doing battle, in a whirlwind of flurry, blows, and ha ha! Come on! Is that all you got? Let's do this! Could everyone at this point like to roll initiative? Uh, yes. <laughs> I do believe. I miss Gideon's accent. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I do believe that gentleman over there has picked this fight. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I get like. advantage. I get advantage. <laughs> yes! What, what? A knight went from an 8 to a 19. Yeah, nice. What's your dex? 
Uh, plus two. Okay. Because I also rolled a tiny. You probably got a better dex. I do. Yeah. I have a plus three. Anonymous. Eighteen. Connor. Eight. Eight. <laughs> Mysterious new orc friend. Twenty-one. Oh. My Sixteen. Friend. Poppy. I got a nineteen. All right. So the scene before you. There are these two swirling creatures, somewhat dancing about this madly brave orcish warrior that you have come across. You can see the shapes within these practically living dust devils. And so it will be our new friend who will take his first turn. Well, first off, let's go bonus action. I would like to rage. <laughs> you may rage. You, got a barbarian you see orc. the orc scream. And a tail appears underneath the kilt and seems to be acting on its own as he goes in for a first attack, dropping a shield and drawing a weapon. Would that count as interacting with an object? So you want to drop your shield and draw your other longsword? I would classify that as part of the attack. Okay, good. So I can just use that as, okay, good. So first off, attacking with the longsword against this one thing. Uh, we're going to go reckless. That would be a 28. Will okay. hit. Let's stop with 11 points of slashing. Okay, and important question, is this magical? So I do have a plus one longsword, and so that would be 12 damage on the first attack. Excellent. Second attack will also be a 28 for 11 points of damage. Okay. And then he's going to go offhand attack. And so this one would not be magical. Correct. Correct. And it's it's still uh, 17 to hit. Will hit. So this one would be seven points of slashing non-magical. Okay, so that would be halved to three. All right, yeah, you dealt a mighty blow to this sandy silhouette of a creature. Ha ha, have at you, ha ha ha. Bobby. Yes. How far away are we? I would give it a good 60 feet. Okay. I'm His voice carries on the wind. He does talk like that. <laughs> so I'm going to say, come on, Wildfire, let's go. We gotta save this poor tailed orc. <laughs> and she contemplates whether Sonomous has a tail or not. <laughs> so I am going to spur Wildfire on and use his, so he has a 40 speed, so he will hey. use his dash action and we can make it there. And then we'll say for the sake of flavor that I, we could see everything that was going on. <laughs> I guess we're only 60 feet away. That's not actually that far. That. So we saw him, you know, get buff and his tail come from nowhere. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if I can do that. And I think about it for a second and I'm going to cast a spell called Guardian of Nature. Okie dokie. Which is a bonus action. And I'm going to do the Primal Beast. So Poppy remembers the Yodis and how they were, there was like a, a coyote form, there was a people form, mm -hmm. and then there was an in the middle form. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she takes an in the middle form, but of like a cute little tiny wolf puppy, because okay. she's small. Beastial fur covers your body, your facial features become feral, and you gain the following benefits. Your walking speed increases by 10, which doesn't matter right now because I'm on my wolf. You gain dark vision, which doesn't matter because we're in the desert. You make straight based attack rolls with advantage. Your melee weapon attacks an extra 1d6 force damage on hit. I don't have a strength based melee attack. Mine is dex based. So then I'm going to 
wield my super cool scimitar that I have now, yep. and I'm going to try to stab the sand beast. We'll see how this goes. I crit. What did you just do? I crit. No, I mean. Oh, I attacked. I stabbed him with your sword, with Gideon's sword. With Gideon's sword, Aww. it's a crit. Gideon, I feel Gideon um, telling me that I can do anything and how he was always so proud of the strength that I had inside of me and how he encouraged me to fight my literal and figurative demons. So now the damage on that is 1d6, mm -hmm. so now it is 2d6. And then all of my attacks also, let me... Get that extra 1d6, which will become 2d6 force damage. Yes. So it'll be two slashing dam 2d6 slashing damage and 2d6 force damage. Mm -hmm. Plus two. Plus, plus your dex modifier. Yes, so plus five overall. Okay, so 4d6 plus two is the damage we're rolling here. So that is 21 Woo. damage total. And of course, that is a very magical scimitar. Yes. It slices through these living sandstorms like butter. And I look at the orc and I say, don't worry, we'll save you. <laughs> Even though he looks very capable. <laughs> I thank you, little one. It's good to have you here. So I'll sit there for a minute and then I'll flick out the bow, not whisper anything, and go for the one that he's wrestling with right now. For 21 to hit. We'll hit. Five plus 14, 19 damage. Nine, excellent. On that one. And I might get off my horse and start moving that way. You seem to have other friends, little one. Fantastic. All right, Makrin. Makrin interaction ties off Buttercup's reins real quick and then grabs his focus crystal, swirls it in his hand in a golf ball size, green swirly orb. Is there any? throws chromatic orb with an 11. Miss. And swishes right by these swirly things. Aw, is that all for you? That's all I can do. So, my sand silhouettes. One is going to make two attacks towards our new orc friend. The first slam will be a 24. Yeah. That will be 17 points of damage. It is bludgeoning, so you will get to half it for your rage. It'd be eight, round up. Yes, because it was 17 points of damage, so yeah, oh, eight yeah. points. Yep. Ha! Is that all you have? Well, it's gonna do it again. But your fancy Captain Orc voice <laughs> seems to throw it off, and the second attack does not hit. The second sand silhouette is actually going to look down to the creature that has just entered the fray, oh, a cute me. little halfling. This will make two slam attacks. Yeah. Probably hit. The first one will be a 14. Oh, that one misses. All right, and then the second one would miss because that is only a 12. Oh, yeah. So it just goes right over you. All right, so that is it for my two sand silhouettes. Huh, must be good to be small. So I'm going to get a load of this guy. <laughs> Connor. Okay, so I'm going to stand up on the other side of the cart and whirl a little ball similar to Mokrin's, but instead of green, it's that oil slick, chaotic thing. And I'm going to hurl it at the one who's trying to attack Poppy. Okay. Since Poppy's there, advantage for pack tactics. Which with the bright noonday sun, that would be normal. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I'll roll that again. Forget daytime's a thing. You can get you some sunglasses. Ooh, nice. 
23 to hit. Will hit. Okay. You're just casting a first level chaos bolt? Yeah. 12 points of thunder damage. 12 points of thunder. All right. It does not seem to be resistant or immune to thunder. Yay. All right. Is that all for you, my small devious friend? Well then, back to our mysterious orc. I've noticed my offhand longsword didn't seem to do as much damage. Mm-hmm. Can I get my shield back up by dropping my longsword? Sure. So he throws the sword down into the ground and puts the foot right under the shield and flips it back up into grab it, grabs his hand. Nice. And says, all right, let's do this one more time. And goes in record with a 28. 28 will hit. 10 points of damage. And then four, 24 to hit. This one's only going to be seven. All right, moving back on to Poppy. Again. I'm gonna try to hit him again. Oh no, (laughs) hold on. Let's see, so that's going to be an 18 to hit. And then this time it's only gonna be 2d6 because I did not crit. It's only going to be 10 damage of the slashing variety. Yeah, the one that the two of you, my mysterious orc friend, and my dear Poppy, that one is looking really, really rough. We have them on the ropes, little one. We can do this. Zani? I'm walking up to the scene here. It's the bow in one hand. I pull the other hand up, level with my face, and start to generate that swirl of purple-green magic, and I stop and look at it for the split second or an eternity. Clench my fist and curse an orc and shake my hand until it dissipates. Disappointed coyote noises. And I pull the bow for 18. Will hit. For a grand total of 18. 18. So you pull back the bow of the opics. Once more it sings, the arrow streaking across the battlefield into what you feel is about the level of the chest and one of these two swirling sandstorms just and dissipates, the sand falling around you. Oh, good shot. I'll smile back and nod at the orc, but I'm stopped walking, keeping my distance. All right, All right, we're gonna try this again. Same motions, same swirly, same golf ball size. That is a unmodified 17, so 25. Will hit. Ooh, all right, and so this time, for 16 points of damage to the one of the ones that hasn't been hit yet. Okay. And important question, what type of damage? Oh, that is acidic damage. It does not appear to be immune or resistant to acid. So my remaining sand creature is going to aim two more slam attacks. It's gonna go after you, my friend, my mysterious friend, since you have opened yourself up to the attacks. I get advantage because you recklessly attacked. So the first one will be a 23. This would have seemed to have a hit, but his tail comes up and deflects with an extra six points AC. He now has a 24 AC. I know who we're putting in front. All right, well the creature will attempt to strike again. And does that AC last until? It's a reaction to AC against hit, and the, yes, I believe it lasts until the end of the turn, but let me make sure it's not just a reaction. Okay. Is it a shield or is it a parry? Correct. That's really the question. Is well, it below an 18? Yeah. Okay, then we'll figure it out later. All right. Okay, this sand silhouette tries to strike out at you twice. Ah! 
Missed again! Going good old reliable. Just throwing another chaos bolt. Alright. Oh, that's a crit. So, 14 Boy. cold damage. 14 points of cold? Okay. They do not seem to be resistant or immune to cold. So, the last remaining sand silhouette rages about this battlefield in a howling sandstorm. This mysterious hork, is he friend or is he foe? We'll find out next time. Red Dirt D&D, Tales from the Caliban Frontier, is Ash King as our Dungeon Master, Brooke Bullock as Mokran Stoneshaper, Johnny Payne as Zonimus Dinar, Kiri Hester as Poppy Tealeaf, and Connor Schnold as Connor the Kobold. Our theme music was created by the cinemagician T.J. Castillo. Our incidental music comes from Jeffrey McBride. Our sound effects and additional music, courtesy of Monument Studios, Andrew Sitkoff, and TabletopAudio.com. We here at Red Dirt D&D could really use your help in getting the word out about us. If you like what you've heard, make sure to rate us and leave a comment. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and RedDirtDnd.com. Tell your friends about Red Dirt D&D and share us on social media. And we have new content on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash reddirtdnd. And check us out on our YouTube page. Just search Red Dirt D&D. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash reddirtdnd. We have several giving levels, including early listening to shows and access to our Discord server. Join us next time as we go deeper into the Caliban frontier. Tell everybody I'm on my way. New friends and new places I, to see. I've been wanting to rewatch that movie so long. <laughs> Can't quite fit in. Ah, so the Australia of the Caliban. I never heard of that. But that was exactly what I was thinking for some reason in my head. Just be careful of the emus. Don't go fighting no emus. <laughs> the dingo stole your baby. <laughs> Where's that dog going with Poppy? Ah! Yeah. Redcon Eldrick blasting that jackalope? No. <laughs> I think of the cool things to do later. Me too, honestly. So we're looking All over. Time. Looking over. What's his face I down there? I was wondering if you were going to go kick that. Could I would have Deftly uh, switch spots. I mean, <laughs> or I just switch the reins. Good news, it's not a car. You don't have to like climb over. <laughs> you can like, hand him the wheel. <laughs> 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 literally hand in the rain. You don't actually have to be on the left or right hand side. Yeah. No. Connor, take the wheel. WWKD. Steal everything. I don't steal everything. I steal what I shine. I steal what I consider mine. I'm just taking it back. I have more use of this than they do. Said Indiana Jones. Come on, Bilbo, just put it on. It's what I'm afraid of is a ping that goes out. Just do it. And we see Fortunato's head turn to the camera. We get to find out the fun way. I feel that I feel like oh I'm like feel the spirit of Gideon say become stronger, become more powerful. As a player, I don't know if this will help, but I have access to the Greater Restoration spell now. So... Do it. <laughs> I think what I might need is remove curse, but... <laughs>
I'll kill you. We'll take the ring off. So res you. I can reincarnate you as a creature that's not cursed. What friends are for? <laughs> I like. You'll it. just be stuck in the twilight, and your soul will never be able to move on. But that's fine. You'll be a gnome. That's tomorrow's Mockrin's problem. <laughs> You hear it. You hear a hiss from the box. It's a mimic. That's <laughs> <laughs> a little baby mimic. <laughs> we could raise it up. Maybe it'll be on our side. You could befriend those mimics. I've had some people I know who did that. <laughs> Not all of them. I can only do it. It seems like a five foot cube type area. Right. <laughs> So a small house. I could fit in a five-foot cube. That seems awfully specific. <laughs> <laughs> so like a, a house for a mouse, maybe, but I wouldn't want to go drown in no mouse and no mud. What I was saying is if there was a giant castle that was made of stone, could you go up to a piece of that castle and go, the stone right here is turning to mud? Yeah, and then and we could crawl through. And gravity goes, the and drops it. We walk through. <laughs> yeah, we could crawl through. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to edit that in. I was out of character. Yeah. That. Yeah, we could crawl through it. Dorm. I do love that without really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could put it in the bloopers. You just have to bleep it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Our first bleep. But yeah, second so, technically. No, it's not. We had many. So we journey for a few days, do, and nothing happens. That's right? awesome. Oh look, Fort Rushing Water. We're here. That's cute. Why, why, you, gotta, why you gotta book full of monsters? <laughs> I have a joke that we can edit out, but it was like, we're the pallbearers on Gideon's funeral so that we can let him down one more time. Oh. <laughs> 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 we like to apologize for dark humor. This is how we cope with our grief. Is that all you got? Let's do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> do believe. I miss Gideon's accent. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I thank you, little one. It's good to have you here. Oh my gosh, he sounds like a cereal box superhero. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like Captain I Frosted Flakes. I love it. I'm I here am for Captain it. Captain Cliche. <laughs> I live for it. I'm here for it, but if, right. I'm going to giggle for a while. You seem to have other friends, little one. Fantastic. Yes, this is the voice I've decided to use. Oh You're going to have to do it. <laughs> You're using take... the voice of a true work warrior. <laughs> get, get, just give me a couple of days. I'll get, I'll get there. When I'm we speak to each other in or orc, it'll be like, hey, man. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like how he does oh, the... God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, man, dude. Come on, man. Ah. No. I love it. <laughs> I wish to like a northern... Oh, yeah, don't you know. So, uh, <laughs> so where, are you, where are you from there, E? Okay. So, That's listen. Kevin Furbolt. northern. Kevin Smith, my blacksmith orc, is a Minnesotan. And that's his... He's like, oh, hey, we'll help you out there, man. Don't worry about it, eh? <laughs> he's our... Is that all you have? What's well, going to do it again? Oh, no. Apparently it has more. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. There's Wait, more. Wait, there's more.